Didn't notice you there. George Messa, Third Eye Edify podcast. Anyone who uh, has known me for my life may seem, may uh, see me here as my most comfortable, but um, <laughs> it's hard to say nowadays. A lot's changed past uh, decade or so, but I'm still a musician through and through. I'm still a teacher, and that will never stop. And I still perform from time to time when I get the chance. It's definitely a passion, performing, but the most important thing to do is teach, I think. It gives back to the community. It gives back to... It, it helps me feel good about what I've put most of my life into. So those are just some of the reasons that I'm still a musician. And no matter what, I have said it before. I'll say it again. I think I even wrote it in this book that I'm working on. Everyone is a musician. We are all scientists in some way or another. And um, as I often do on this show, my main goal today is to potentially change at least a thought or a perception about certain things that you grew up thinking are just set in stone. Certain things that must be a certain way. Of course they must be. That's what they said anyway, or at least that's what you think now. What do I mean by that? Let's make the word of the day pitch or frequency. What are they? Are they the same thing? Do they have a relationship? Yes. Musically, they have a relationship. Are they the same thing? I don't think so. Because any frequency can be named any pitch. There's a ongoing, very hot debate about A440 versus A432, which, as far as our perception and our ear, is actually not that far away. But when seen on a frequency table, maybe with some sand, when made visible, the frequency of 432 is incredible looking. Looks like stained glass, like a circular stained glass design of absolute beauty and perfection. And 440 looks pretty chaotic, pretty crazy. Now, these are all man-made things, as far as taking a certain frequency and naming it a note, saying that 440 is A, it's very diminishing to the whole process. Music, that being. It's pretty insane to think that we can take any frequency and call it a note and it stays that way forever. It's a reductionist simplification of things that are far more complicated And hopefully after today, we'll be able to let you know in more ways than one. This, by the way, is sort of a little precursor, little tidbit nugget episode to wet the whistle, to be an appetizer of sorts. Because I'm going to be on a show that I was on about two years ago, which I mentioned in a previous episode, the Innerverse podcast. If you don't know, 
what Chance is doing on that show, get over there right now. You'll find it in the usual spots. It is, he's amassed a huge body of work already, and he ain't stopping, and it's inspiring, to say the very least. Um, we're going to be on there, I'm going to be on there to discuss in way more detail than I'm going to discuss today, these topics and many more, particularly the relationship between music and astrology, which is so deeply entrenched in each other that I can't believe it. I can believe anything. I can't believe it. The small amount of research I've done so far and what I'm going to do leading up to there and the books I've already read and the books I'm rereading and the books I'm now discovering, mostly old, um, it's, it's unreal. It's not just music and astrology either. It relates to so many different things. Your body, your soul, the planet, if you want to call it that. So many different things. I can't even believe it. I can't believe it. And I think it was worth repeating because I mean it. It's crazy. You guys can't wait to see what I have in store for that. But let's give ourselves, let's wet the whistle a little bit. And let's talk a bit about pitch, frequency, hertz. What does that mean? 440 hertz. And um, how do they relate to your perception of sound, music? Is the hum from your refrigerator a note that you can play on here? Well, if it's not one of the frets, you can always bend a note. You can always bend a note to get the notes in between the frets. And if you don't know what I mean by that, it's true. From here to here, something we would call a half step in music, a semitone. But between there, and that's just a little tiny bit of what's in between. There's a lot of stuff going on typically labeled around 100 cents, 100 cents per fret, 100 cents per key on the piano. And if I'm already past what you already know, that's okay. I'm not looking to overload the senses like I often want to. <laughs> I'm going to do my best to keep this one a little shorter. No guarantees, but we'll see where that goes. Um, why don't we start with definitions? I can't help but do that. I always do. And I am just looking through my Harvard Dictionary of Music, which is a relatively large volume. It's not a multi-volume one, but um, it has a very large amount of information and very well-written, um, thoroughly um, conceived definitions, some of them spanning multiple pages. The definition for pitch is about two pages, lots of different paragraphs to discuss lots of different aspects of pitch, because pitch has changed. Pitch has changed over the years. Anyone who's not a musician probably does not know that. Anyone who has um, an idea, I mean, I've seen little memes and other kinds of little things on the internet that talk about it, how it's, you know, a conspiracy theory that um, we have 440 to keep us away from 432 hertz. I'm not sure how accurate that is. I think it has been kept, I think 440 was pushed on us on purpose, yes. But as far as keeping 432 away, if it really were that simple... And 432 was, you know, the answer to everything. If all the um, those Gaza pyramids were tuned to 432, they are frequency generators. And um, they have insulation, much like an electrical circuit does. Different types of stone, for example. Look into it. It's really something special. Um, then the whole world would have been saved already, <laughs> so to speak. And, and you know, I, I half-jokingly say that. If everyone just sang or played 432 all day, then we'd be set in stone. But 
when you tell me that 432 has to be the letter A, we're already adding the man-made equation part of this into it, and it's far deeper, far more connected to the place we live and ourselves. And I think it's not even close to being that simple. It may be a everything is a, a good reason to investigate. Everything is a good reason to look deeper. But I don't think that's, you know, the answer. And if you recall my uh, recent interview with Spiro Gennaros, we quickly established that there's no one answer for a diet. There's no one answer for somebody's health requirements. And it's the same exact thing for this. Um, for all music to be a certain frequency, it really takes away can't match what a bird sings on here without a lot of hard work and even then you'll never match it there's so much that goes into it we'll also discuss what timbre is often mispronounced because it's spelled t-i-m-b-r-e but timbre is the the quality of the pitch the way it sounds in other words the same letter being played from this instrument or a piano or to move on to a different family of instrument an oboe or a clarinet or a trumpet or a trombone, that A is going to sound different. Different instruments have different timbres. Different people have different timbres in their voice when they sing or when they talk. And I'm always amazed at how, even though we're all so similar in a certain way, I really, I rarely hear a voice that sounds just like somebody else's. It requires imitation, requires acting. It's incredible how much variation you get out of the vocal cords which really aren't chords if you've ever seen that in a video. I would, I highly suggest looking up vocal chords, you know, under a, a microscope or some kind of a video device. It's, it's pretty crazy looking, pretty frightening as a matter of fact. It's incredible. It really is. Um, so from the dictionary, the Harvard Dictionary of Music, frequency is the primary determinant of the listener's perception of pitch. And I would like to add that that means the fundamental here. What is the fundamental? How do we perceive pitch? Are our ears even more magical than we think they are? Yes, they are. If you look up the terms forward and backward masking, which in a nutshell is the reason why you can actually hold a conversation in a busy restaurant without having all the other voices interrupting you, listening and focusing on the table that you're at. It masks things you don't need so you can hear what you need to probably part of a defense mechanism in all honesty your ear can actually prioritize what you need to hear it's the same reason you don't hear your heartbeat in your ear at all times there's blood passing through your ears you don't hear that all day it would be <laughs> completely maddening i assume think about that it's interesting it's interesting and keep in mind this is that we are just on the tip of the iceberg of what i'm plan on discussing and just these concepts in general I hope you're already thinking about notes. What are notes? What is a pitch? What is frequency? It's much deeper than you might think. Now, from the same dictionary, uh, there's a definition of pitch. The perceived quality of a sound that is chiefly a function of its fundamental frequency. When I play this note A, you're hearing what we now established as the letter A in our current musical system, in the current Western musical system, by the way. Yes, a tabla, a sitar from India, they have pitches that they're designated to, but they say that it's C, but it's not necessarily this C. Not necessarily. 
and that we'll save that for another day. But when you have a vocal tradition in a small village, they sing the note that they're singing. They're not taking a tuner and making sure that they start on G sharp. That's just not how it works. And again, don't worry if you're not a musician and don't know about you know notes and stuff. I'm not really going to... This isn't going to be a music theory discussion whatsoever. You're going to use your senses to hear what I'm doing, to hear what I'm talking about, to hear what I'm playing. And I think it'll make some sense here. Now, fundamental frequency, what does that mean? What does that mean as far as the rest of the frequency? Is the fundamental it? Perhaps not. And thankfully, I have a string instrument here. And of course, I know bass guitars are typically four. I'm not showing off this particular instrument with bobinga on the top and swamp ash for the body has a very pronounced mid-range, as in low, mid, and high frequencies that you adjust on the knobs of the instrument, for example. And having a strong mid-range, I'm about to boost my mid-range all the way, as a matter of fact, and focus on the back pickup. What this does, this is the back pickup here. What this does is it helps you hear your, your what are called harmonics better. Because every pitch has something that's called an overtone series. Every pitch has essentially every pitch, every other pitch in it, in relation to the fundamental. This has perplexed people for centuries until recently when we came up with something called equal temperament. Every single fret, the distance from this note to this note, is the same mathematical distance as the, this note to this note, and so on. The same thing for piano keys. Every key is the same distance mathematically from each other. Now, this sounds like the obvious thing to do. Well, of course, all the notes are equidistant. Why wouldn't they be? They're not supposed to be. And it pains me to discuss this because you learn so much in this world of equal temperament. And it works. Of course it does. You can teach theory with it. You can do listen to classical music. It works. But there's something special about the way you can play, let's say, a fretless instrument or a wind instrument that has a variety of application available as far as changing the way pitches can be inflected. They can be a little sharp, a little flat. Sharp meaning the pitch is raised a bit, flat meaning it's lowered a bit. Again, I'm going to do my best to have everyone stay on board with this regardless of your background. But uh, most importantly... With the string instrument, when you pluck, you get what's called an orbit. I'm not saying that there's orbits out there. <laughs> what I'm saying is that the string has an orbit. It doesn't um, vibrate like this or like this, depending on how you pluck it. For example, if I pluck here, we get a pretty steady sound. If I pluck like this, we get a very different version of that sound. Might have clipped there. Perhaps I can clean it up in post. We'll see. But... As a result of the way that you pluck, you change timbre. You, by changing timbre, what you're doing is you're accentuating different parts of the overtone series of that fundamental pitch, that fundamental frequency. Let me let the instrument do the talking from here. When you play this fundamental, you can grab what's called a node. 
in the orbit. I can actually touch a certain location of the orbit, and as a result, I can hear a different, and I can actually, for the most part, I can zone in on and really just focus on that one part of the overtone series. We lose the fundamental for the most part. We lose most of the orbit, but the string is still vibrating with the node that I touch. Sound complicated? If you're in this world, maybe not so crazy, obviously. But just listen. I'm going to pluck the fundamental of A, and I'm going to grab a node here at the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5th fret. Keeping in mind that this here is called the nut. This is called the saddle, where the string sits on the bridge. This is the vibrating length of the string. When you, what's called stop or fret a note, now, now the pitch goes up because now the distance of the string is from here to here. Smaller string, higher pitch. Pitch goes up in this direction. But you'll notice when I use harmonics, check this out. I went this direction and they went up. And they obviously had a much different timbre than the string itself. Now I'm going to pluck the open string and grab a node without plucking again. Behold. Now I actually grabbed several overtone series notes higher than the fundamental to grab two octaves higher than the actual pitch. If I want one octave higher than the pitch, and this is what Pythagoras noted when he heard them whacking away on the anvils, the blacksmith, he noticed that when the item was half the length, we got an octave. We got an octave higher. Two-thirds was a fifth, and so on, as the story goes. So if I go to the twelfth fret here, don't worry if you know what that is or not, not important. This is the actual halfway point of the string. If I grab this node, I get one octave higher, octave being the same note. When you play a scale, it goes from one octave to the next. Here's A. At the end of the scale, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do. We hit another Do. We hit another A. They're the same exact note. These two notes are not the same note. Clearly. Here's the halfway point. Without pushing down, I raised the pitch by really honing in on one part of the frequency spectrum of this fundamental pitch. Now I can go to its fifth. Don't worry if you know what it means. Now I can go to the next octave. You see how it's rising in pitch as I grab these nodes? Keep going. I can do it blindfolded, but I'm on camera. I'd like to make it work every time the first time. And another octave coming. Now from there, I can actually go much higher. It's really something. I'm not going to do it right now. But that's just, again, this is the tip of the iceberg. Every little node that I was hitting, every harmonic, each one of those is inside. It exists within the fundamental pitch that you're hearing. Every time you hear a note, 
you're actually hearing tons of other things all melding together to create the tone of the pitch. Anything can do A. It's not going to sound the same if a car happens to hit the note A as it's driving. You know how the pitch rises when a car starts driving or a bus in the city. You hear the pitch rise as it rises in speed. Whatever it happens to be, the motor, the spinning of the wheel, something's giving you that pitch. That A is going to sound like this A. And I can change my frequencies here to make it sound different just on the instrument I'm playing. Or I can pluck differently. Here's one type of sounding A. Kind of warm. Here's a more abrasive. Totally different sounding. Same note. Where I pluck and how I pluck alters which part of the fundamentals overtone series is actually emphasized. Why did I just go into so much detail about all these things? I'm not trying to show off here. This isn't about playing bass. I'm trying to show you, through the tools that I have, that every note is every note. One note is every note. This has everything to do with your own self. That's what holistic means. It's not some quackery like Seinfeld wanted you to think. Yeah, they're out there. <laughs> I'm sure they are. Uh, maybe they don't have a degree on their wall, but maybe they've helped lots of people by asking simple questions. What kind of showers do you take? How long? What kind of diet do you have? When do you eat? How much do you sleep? Let me look at your tongue. Let me look at your fingernails. You can diagnose people like this. I can't, but I could learn, and I guarantee you could too, and I know that a lot of people already do know how. The Eroidovic medicine of Southeast Asia... There's lots of th different ways um, to find a holistic, balanced approach to yourself. And this will, in turn, make you healthier, happier. Being on a screen can actually affect that. As I discussed in my previous interview with uh, the Innerverse a few years ago, and I, again, I mentioned that I was on Crow 777 Radio, which I think is another show you should definitely, like, absolutely check out, no question. Um, we discussed how much screens and screen time can really take away from yourself, your own light, your own health. It doesn't matter if you're playing a video game or on social media or just watching TV or just watching sports. It doesn't matter what you're doing with screens. Yeah, the phone is really close up and might be a little more dangerous overall due to all the frequencies passing in and out of it as it hits you. And some people, I heard, sleep with their phones underneath their pillow. Now, that can't be good. you got to let your body do its thing when it's sleeping, not let all those... It's like putting a microwave onto your head. <laughs> That's not good. Um, and microwaves may be part of it, as a matter of fact. Something else to think about, and probably going to be a whole other episode on that. So, now that we got all this discussion out of the way, there are a few other things I'd like to quickly mention regarding what I had originally said that I'm going to be going on to this amazing show, Interverse, to discuss music and astrology, musical astrology, if you want to call it that. There's a few very interesting things I've come across, um, more than a few, as a matter of fact, surprisingly large amount of things that are completely aligned or, no pun intended, in tune with each other regarding the 12 notes of music. Once you hit your 13th note, you're at the octave might mean something if you have the the 12 disciples and you know in the biblical uh, language of course jesus was the 13th 
sometimes you'll see uh, 12 of something and then there'll be a sun. I know there's a Salvador Dali painting I'm thinking of. Leave a uh, leave something in the comments if you know exactly which painting I'm talking about. The 13th is often the sun, as in the ascension, the ascended. When you reach the octave, you have ascended to the next octave in the same scale and you start over again. And there, this can be referenced in so many different ways. But remember, again, I want to not—I don't want to leave that topic without being stressing it so much. You, your holistic self, everything working in conjunction with each other, all the organs, your entire spinal column, your brain, everything, being in harmony. There's another musical term, in harmony with each other, is the easiest way to be. Not, it's, you know, say the word health, it means something to somebody and something to somebody else. To be your best self. And uh, from my experience, having a partner who understands and loves you deeply is a really big part of that. You can be as perfect as you want, but without having the king and the queen, there's a large balance missing. something to think about let's look at some interesting similarities I'm gonna pull something up here you may or may not have seen this before if you're a musician you've definitely seen it this here is called the circle of fifths what a fifth is musically speaking is five letters away from the first letter that you start from the top of this circle you may don't worry about the inner circle with the M's next to it those mean minor we're not discussing that whatsoever we're discussing the outer darker circle C is at the very top and it was kind of jokingly referenced in music um, studies in college especially as the Bible key because that key has no sharps and no flats these are called accidentals if you don't know what they are again don't worry about it so much it's more important that you just follow along with what I'm going to compare. Now, you may be wondering, why isn't A the first letter on the top here? And there's going to be a very interesting similarity with the zodiac there that I will discuss in a second. But now that we got an idea here, this is more of a tool for a musician than anything else. We've seen enough. This can also exist in, um, this can also exist in another way, what's often called the wheel of music or the circle of tritones it has a few different names but if we look at it this way which is the way i'm going to primarily look at it now you can see if you recall the second letter from c going clockwise was g now it's d flat that's the flat symbol there so interestingly enough this wheel while it has a few similarities is actually quite different Again, I'm going to use this one. Let me take a screenshot if you want. I'm going to use this one for our comparison here. Now, I'm going to show you... Whoops, sorry about that. That didn't work out too well. Sorry about that. Um, I'm going to use this wheel now to show you the wheel of the Zodiac, which you may or may not recognize. This wheel here with the zodiacal symbols starts at the top with Aries 
that design is the ram's horn. I happen to be an Aries. Now, the most interesting similarity here, first of all, it's the same thing. It's a wheel of 12, just like our clock that we use in our modern time and just like the months of the year. So what's most interesting to me right now to point out to you in a third eye edify way is that Aries, much like C, is not the first zodiac of the year. And if you look at it the right way, it's the third one. It was technically the fourth, I guess. And that is the same thing in music. If we start from A, we get A, A sharp, B, C. So now the question begs to be asked, why in the, how in the world is there that much of a similarity? And this is surface level. I've gone much deeper and I promise you it's almost shocking. And again, that's a big word coming from me. I don't tend to be surprised by things. I tend to discover something and say, of course it was. Of course it is. That's me. But again, I think you'll find this very interesting. I think you'll find what I just said interesting, hopefully. I can clarify in the comments if you weren't sure. But what's more interesting are the other things I figured out, which have to do with chords, musical chords, musical relationships in the wheel versus the zodiacal relationships. It's incredible. Now let's look at another very interesting similarity. Uh, some of you may or may not know that you can actually use your palm, the palm mystery. You can use your palm as a way to memorize and look at, here's an example, not only the zodiac signs, you'll see Aries at the tip of the pointer, but uh, some of the planets and the sun as well. If you know these symbols, then you'll know what you're seeing. I'm not going to describe them all right now. But very interestingly enough, the exact same concept exists musically. It doesn't necessarily predate written music because it's um, from the 17th century. It's no big deal. Um, perhaps a little uh, younger than that. I'm sorry. I, I forgot exactly when this came out. But this zodiacal hand can also be shown, believe it or not, musically. And it's called the Guidonian hand. Guido di Arezzo invented this idea. And I'll show you a few different images of this because it's worth seeing in a few different ways. It's a pretty common way to see it. You'll notice that, well, first of all, it's not English, but there's what seem to be a combination of letters that don't really make a lot of sense in the hand. Um, this is because when they first were singing Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do, and believe me, they didn't do that at first because they didn't use the same scale that we used back then. They didn't even have scales like that. They had something called modes. They used things called hexachords, a six-note concept, not a scale. Scales resolve themselves, much like what I played earlier. Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do. We hit the octave. We resolve the scale. If you don't get to the octave, listen to what this sounds like. You almost have to breathe. It's very tense. It almost sounds like it wasn't finished or that it was incorrect or that there was a lack of resolution. Here's the scale finished again. 
when you reach the octave, you do get the sense that things resolve themselves. This comes to kind of the crux of the problem. When we use what we call equal temperament and equal division of each note, and we use our major scale, the do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, it sounds perfectly fine. It sounds like it really works. But we're hearing one note at a time, monophony. Once you hit polyphony, polyphonic, multi-notes, harmony, then things get messy. Is it imperceivable? Maybe it is. Or maybe it isn't. Maybe it's really obvious, and we've just been raised in a system of music that keeps us in the dark about what music could be and should be. Believe me, as a musician, I'm surprised. And I hope that this is intriguing food for thought for you. We saw the zodiacal hand. We saw the Guidonian hand. Now, I do want to point out something else here. Uh, you may have heard the gamut, running the gamut, as in doing everything available to you. Um, this here is, a, a in so many ways, a description of what is called the musical gamut. We see the Guidonian hand on top. If you look underneath, and uh, perhaps I can just kind of hone in on that, actually. If we look underneath, get like a better look at it. Here, let's try this. If we look just at this, you'll notice that the black boxes, each one of these is a note. Ut, re, mi, fa, sol, la. Ut was do at first. We use do now. T was also called C, S-I. But as you can see, ah, no, no pun, it's not there. There are six boxes for each what's called hexachord. And each one of them has its own name. There's hard and soft hexachords. Some were used more than others. But depending on what church you sang this in, and trust me, most of this is church music, um, almost everything I learned was church music, Western church music, German-Austrian church music primarily, as a matter of fact. This is the, the bulk of music theory teaching nowadays, if you learn in our schools in our Western education system. This is, you wouldn't learn anything about Indian music. You wouldn't learn anything about super ancient music. No way. Um, there's going to be a very more, a much more thorough discussion about all of those concepts. And I've got something pretty big saved. As you can tell, I'm fairly excited about it. I'm just kind of wetting the whistle here, giving you a chance to see something new and uh, with the universe and also for you to know where I'm coming from with all this stuff. Um, strangely enough, here, here's one last look, actually, before we move on. Here's one last look at the Guidonian hand with the lines showing you if you start from C, you get C, D, E, F, G, A, B, and then a new C, and the octave keeps rolling, same octave. On the top, we get E, the very top of the middle finger. E is often mi, do, re, mi. But more importantly, when you form chords, you have what's called a root. If you play a C major chord, C is the root of that chord. You get a root, a third, and a fifth. And don't worry if you don't understand that. Bottom line is, if you play a C chord, C major, you get C, E, G. E is the third. And the third 
is a very, very, very big thing. Yeah, sure, it's Freemason, but it's also, of course, been biblical and lots of other things. Now, don't let that fool you, the simplicity of the concept. Because there's so many musical concepts that actually adhered to that in way more ways than one. And um, I'm leaving a lot of little mystery, mysterious little tidbits here on purpose. I'm sure you realize by now. But um, again, engage with me in the comments. I'm sure I can give you some more snippets of what we're looking at here. Um, here's one last thing to look at before we discuss something else here. Is that this here is a description of our modern writing system with the G-clef. Yes, it kind of resembles a scripty kind of freehand G, but... If you'll notice, there's a little plus sign where the loop-de-loop -loop and the straight line down from the top of the design meet at the second line from the bottom. And that line is G. So it's the G clef for a number of reasons. It actually designates where a letter is in this clef. Again, don't worry if you're not 100% sure about what I'm describing. That little circle there, that what we call a football, it's called a whole note. It's just telling us that that space is to be played. It's the letter A. This A is what A440 is. If you go down an octave, you cut it in half. You get 220. You go up an octave, you get 880. That's how frequencies work. When they're doubled, you hit the next octave. Understanding what an octave is might be far more important than knowing what all this other stuff is if you're a non-musician. As in, you didn't study it, if you're not a professional musician, or one who at least understands these things. You can take lessons for five years and not know what an octave is, I've noticed. Um, a lot of students learn the fundamentals. They do. They are able to play songs. They are able to play scales. But they can't explain one thing about anything that they're doing. It's the equivalent of not knowing what a noun is. You should know how your language works because music like math like i've described in previous episodes is a language it has rules it has ideas that can be transported to other languages to other concepts to other ideas all of it's important in my opinion um very important might i add so final tidbit to leave you with here i think might be this might be the best thing Take a look at this image here from a book I hold in pretty high regard from Johannes Kepler. A lot of German things going on here. Even Hertz uh, was named after Heinrich Rudolf Hertz. And a lot of German philosophy, a lot of German engineering, a lot of German science has led to many of the things we still hold very true and value and study and consider correct. Now, what is going on here? The first thing to mention that to somebody who's never seen anything like this before is that at the beginning of each little section of, of music here, there's a clef. And you'll notice that they're placed in different areas. Don't worry about it so much. The bottom line is this. You can tell some of these are bigger than the others. Saturn has one, two, three notes, and then it goes right back down those same three notes. Every single one of these does that. It hits a high point, no matter how far away it is, and it comes back down. What this is, is a notated description of the orbits 
the perceived the perceivable orbits of these planets these heavenly bodies as they've been called a million times you'll notice that venus is completely stationary note wise while the earth you don't know what it is musically if you don't know but it's a the smallest interval possible one fret away if you don't know what this is take a picture of it think about it so what is that what's a mode to the modern musician western a mode is a scale that is started at a note other than the first note and then played from that octave again as i've been saying please don't worry so much if you're not sure but most importantly these are representations of what are called well let's just mention this too if you picture the fixed stars they all rotate together these heavenly bodies don't follow that they are seen to be moving at their own rates at their own styles so to speak and when seen over large bits of time they create incredible mandalas in different shapes that's a reason to think about how orbits work to begin with how they tell you orbits work but um think about this earth was perceived as this the lowest amount of motion other than venus it's the way that these calculations came to be by the way this is an old book this is a very old book um people have come forth with new information since now he was still i would say he was on the fence about which was true copernicus or ptolemy you can put this into whatever terms you want but just know that there's way more to the connection between music and astrology than you might think and i've got a lot of information in front of me that i didn't even say yet you can't wait and neither can i and i hope to see you soon please catch me the end of next month on the universe podcast we're going to be recording at the end of next month perhaps it'll appear in october i'm so excited i can't even i can't even contain myself but i hope to see you soon and thank you so much and i'll see you guys next time